So last week we talked about listening to uh, God's voice, listening to the Word of God, which the Holy, we need the Holy Spirit's help. We need uh, the body of Christ's help in that process. Uh, we need to open up the Scriptures. And so um, this morning we're going to look at kind of that, the next theme of when, when, we, when God reveals something to us. When we read the Scriptures, we need to act on what God is saying. And that acting on what God is saying takes faith. And so we're going to look here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're going to look first in verse 6. Because he tells us here, why is faith so essential? Why is it so important? Look in verse 6. Let me read it here. And he says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so faith is how we relate to God. There will be one day when we will see God as he is, every believer in Jesus Christ. There will be a day when we won't have to walk by faith any longer. Who is excited for that day? I'm excited for that day. Is walking by faith easy? No. It's hard. Trying to understand maybe what God is saying or taking risks. You know, faith is always, it's uncomfortable. You're not really sure. But God tells us here that without it, it is impossible to please God. So the way that we relate to God is by faith. By trusting him, by believing that he exists. And so he goes on, actually he says a little bit earlier, uh, up in verse 1, he puts a little bit more uh, description on faith. So it's how we relate to God. Um, And so look what he says in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And again, this isn't, this isn't hope like, I hope I get this for Christmas, you know. That's not that kind of hope, because that kind of hope doesn't really have a whole lot of confidence. But the hope, the hope that faith has in Christ is an assurance. God has revealed himself to us. He has told us about who he is. We have the scriptures. We see Jesus came and died on a cross. There are things that he stepped into history to show us who he is. And so our conviction and our hope isn't in some blind, well, I just hope God swoops in and gets me. No, it's grounded and rooted in who God is. And so we have a confidence. And so as we've been talking about through this series... The longer we walk with God and the longer we obey him and the longer we take steps, we see him and we understand and we come to know him more intimately. And walking with him becomes, um, I say easier, I don't know if that's the right word, but our confidence grows because we see him more. And so what's an example? I want want to look at it. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, the book of Judges, uh, Judges chapter 6. And we're going to look at an example um, Gideon. How many of you heard the story of Gideon? Probably a lot of you have. 
Um, we're not going to look at the whole story. We're just going to look at the beginning part because there's way more um, than one sermon would al allow. Uh, but Gideon is an example of faith. And he shows us what faith is. And I think Gideon gives us a real picture. Because Gideon is scared. And we're going to see that. And so part of faith has reservations. And it's not about, you know, it's, the issue is when you have reservations or when you are fearful, what do you do with them? Faith takes them and says, God, help me in my unbelief. God, help me to have a confidence in you. And Gideon shows us that picture. And so I think the book of Judges, we always, uh, you know, we, we tend to interpret things, you know, um, you know, our concept of judge, you know, we look at the courthouse and we think the guy in the black robe or the woman in the black robe with the gavel is the judge. Um, because in our culture, we have separated out um, that a judge has authority over the law. Um, but that, that's not true in a lot of other cultures. Judges was more like a governor, the, the leader, the person in charge, you know. And so I remember when I was a little kid, I always thought, man, these guys, they like sat behind and they took their, no, no, that's not the image of the judges. They were leaders. They were governors. That's, God was raising them up to get Israel back to where they were supposed to be. And so I'm going to read through this first uh, 10 verse that just gives us a picture um, of what was going on. And uh, you might hear some allusions as we were reading through Daniel's prayer. Um, you're going to hear the same thing, similar things. And isn't it interesting? Their struggles were pretty much what our struggles are today. Because, yes, technology has changed, culture has changed, but at the core of people, we still struggle with the similar uh, things. And so let's follow along with me. Uh, Judges Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites... And the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp, encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I had said to you, I am the Lord your God. 
You shall not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And look at this last line. But you have not obeyed my voice. That stood out to me this week as I was reading through this. But you have not obeyed my voice. Translation, you are where you are because of the choices that you've been making. This isn't God's fault. This is your doing. Your doing. And so for seven years, and you think, you know, it took them, you know, it took them seven years to come to the place where they finally said, God, we need your help. And it's interesting. They ask God for help, but what they don't do is they don't acknowledge, they never repent. They never say, you know what, God, we've done wrong here. We've gotten off. What, 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 what do they want? They want the big genie to come in and rescue them from their uncomfortable life that isn't going too well. And so God demonstrates his grace and his mercy, and he does do that. He raises up Gideon, and Gideon is part of a tribe that is uh, one of the least prestigious. Um, he is, uh, you know, not, he, he would not be, if you were picking uh, um, uh, kickball teams, he wouldn't be the first pick. He would be the last one uh, picked. And he says that to God. When God says, I'm, I want to I use you to, to get Israel back on track, he has this argument with God. Well, who am I? You know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm no one. But it always, faith always comes down to, faith never looks at yourself. Faith is always saying, God, if you want to do this, I will trust you. My feet will move forward. My mouth will say what you want me to say. I will trust you, and you will have to come through if this is ever going to happen. And that's what the Bible's full, full of, story after story, example after example of men and women who believed God and trusted him to do the impossible, even in the midst of uh, their, their, their pain and discomfort and the things that are going on. And so they're experiencing the consequences um, of their sin. And so part of what God does is he, he sends them a prophet. And again, what was a prophet? The prophet was God's mouthpiece. It was God's messenger to come and say, uh, remember what God said. Um, you're, you're not listening to him. You're not believing him. Remember, he is the God who rescued you from Egypt. And so the nation of Egypt compared to the Midianites it's no contest. But he is the living God. And he wants us to obey him. And he wants us to listen to his voice and to follow him. And so, or, uh, and so uh, Gideon um, is listening to God. And Gideon, um, through the course of time here and the rest of chapter 6, you know, you can read on this week uh, to go back and look at some of this conversation that he has that the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord, shows up and meets with him personally and speaks the word of God to him and gives him direction of, of, of what he wanted him to do. And Gideon finally, and he, will, he willingly listens and obeys God and his voice. 
Now, I mentioned in the beginning, how did Israel get off? And I think this is one where I think, um, you know, God, had, you know, Israel had the Old Testament. They had the law. They had the scriptures. And so, um, you know, this week, just, you know, looking back through and just seeing where did they get off. And so I went back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And so they knew this. They knew what God had said. Why were they in this place of being um, dominated by the Midianites? Because they didn't trust God. They didn't believe him. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, let me read a couple of verses here. And again, the point here is that they didn't listen to the word of God. They didn't, you know, God sent them a prophet and this is why they were where they were. They, they had it all along. They, they knew what they should have been doing. Verse 1, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. And do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you and all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as, as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. When they all hear these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there? Is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? Whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so that righteousness, as all this law that I set before you uh, today. And so he's reminded of God was saying, I give you a way to live. But they stopped believing God. They stopped trusting in him. What they were doing is they were going to, they wanted to be like everybody else. They wanted to be like their neighbors. They were being influenced by other people that weren't walking in God's way. And God had said it over and over again. He was reminding them that he had told them the way to live if they were willing uh, to do that. And so God is getting their attention here as he often does. He's using the Midianites um, to help them see that his way is right and his way is true. But they would finally get their, uh, their bearing back on track, and God would use Gideon uh, to do that. And so that last line, you know, back to Judges, uh, but you have not obeyed my voice. I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we can look and say, well, what does that mean to me? What does that look like? And so I think this is where as we talk about faith and listening to the word of God, the principle carries through at the other commands in Scripture. Because in order to do them, it takes faith on our part. It takes risk on our part. 
just like it took Gideon when he listened to the voice of God to go take the steps that God was asking him to do, he was a, he was a little fearful, but he was willing to do them. And so turn over and we're just going to look at three examples of this. Examples for us of listening to what the word of God says. And are we demonstrating faith by acting on what God says? Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And again, you're probably going to say, I heard that verse a million times. Maybe not a million, maybe a thousand, I don't know. There's a Sermon on the Mount, and this is what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's always more comfortable to tell someone else what they're doing wrong, and it's always easier to see in someone else what they're doing wrong, right? But that's not the starting place. The starting place for, of, of having humility and what Jesus is saying here is you need to examine your own life and you need to be honest about where you're falling short. And you need to be honest with God, but you also maybe, maybe you need to go make something right. Maybe you need to go tell someone, you know what, I, I'm sorry for the way I said something to you or what I did or where I went. And, and so it takes faith in order to act on what God says and to actually go put it into practice, just like that's what Gideon had to do. And so we, too, um, have to do the same thing. A couple weeks ago, you know, for my own example, a couple weeks ago I was in the uh, concession stand with the van boosters, and it was a busy night and kind of came to the end of the night, and one of the co-workers, um, you know, I was getting fries out of the thing, and, and uh, you know, she, she kind of instructed me on how to get the, the remaining fries out of the container. And I was a little agitated, and I, you know, just kind of snapped back and said, you know, I worked in the restaurant business for 20 years. I don't need you telling me how to do that, you know. Yeah, exactly. It was a little... Um, and so it was so busy, and we just kind of went through the night. And afterwards, I'm like, you know what? See, that wasn't, you didn't need to say that. And so it took a few weeks to get finally, you know, get a hold of, you know, this gal and just say, you know what? I, I just want to, I'm sorry. The way I talked to you was not very respectful um, because we got to get the plank out of our own eye. And so... Listening to the word of God means, are you getting the plank out of your own eye? Is there something the spirit of God has been impressing on you that you are being resistant? Well, you don't know, Steve. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Are you allowing the word of God to influence you and to go and act on that? That's the faith that he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a faith that moves with the Lord. All right, that one's a little heavy one. Let's go to a, let's go to a nicer one. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
verse 31. Paul says, another command of Scripture. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, so there's the all-inclusiveness. So whatever you do, then here's the command. Do all, that, do all to the glory of God. And so... When you do what you do, are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for your glory? And how does that play out? Do you give God the credit? Genuinely give him the credit. Or you just say, well, you know, kind of like the, you know, we pick on the people that get their Emmy Award and stand up. and I just want to thank God, but yet, you know. They kind of get past that, and then they get on to all the other things. No, do we, and, and the point here is, do we allow everything that we do to be an opportunity to bring glory to God? No matter how mundane it is. I mean, he uses the example here of eating and drinking. How can that bring God glory? Are we allowing every activity that we do For the mom, how many lo loads of laundry do you fold? How do you give God glory in that? For dads, as you, I don't have another example, but I'm sure there's plenty of them. But for all of us, do we allow everything that we're doing to bring God the glory that he deserves? That's what the word of God says. Let's look at one last example, Hebrews chapter 3. Turn back to Hebrews There's a lot of examples we could use. These are just the, the three that I'm hope, honing in on. <clears throat> this is what he says in verses 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And so there's a warning here of watching out that your heart does not become uh, deceitful, that your heart does not become resistant uh, to God. And so what does he say we need to, to do as a result? But exhort one another. How often? Every, what did you say? Every day, daily. And so this isn't a just, hey, I came to church, so there's a good thing. Well, that's a start. That's today. Are we exhorting one another every day? And I think we all know this. We look around in the state of the church. We are being influenced. I mean, we can see it, right? This world is powerful. And the only way we stand a chance 
is through a relationship with one another, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. No, hang in there. No, don't give up. No, keep reading your Bible. I know you didn't get anything out of it, but keep reading it. You're never going to get something out of it if you stop reading it. That's not going to get you anywhere. Keep reading it. We need to exhort one another to be that encouragement so that we don't become hard in heart, so that we don't become deceived. And what does he say here? That we would fall away from the living God. That will never work. We see that all through the scriptures, right? When we don't agree with what God says, we always find ourselves in a worse place. And so God wants us to walk in greater faith, that we would uh, trust him, that we would listen to his word, that we would act on that, and that we would carry out what God is asking us to do and to live it out. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to close out with a couple songs. Uh, Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you are merciful, that you are patient, that you give us uh, truth, God, that is helpful, Lord, for today. God, help us to walk in obedience, and that, God, it wouldn't just come from our own will, but it would come from a heart being transformed by you. God, that you would help us to walk in faith. God, that we would act on what it is you're putting before us. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for all of these things. In your name, amen. Amen. As we respond.